Hello and welcome to this episode of GTalk Ask the Expert. GLP is a leading global investment manager and business builder, investing in, developing and managing assets in logistics real estate. In Europe, GLP operates in 12 countries with 277 assets under management, totaling 6.4 million square meters of building. In addition, GLP Europe has a prime land bank, allowing for a development pipeline of more than 4 million square meters of logistics real estate. Today's subject is logistics in Central and Eastern Europe, often abbreviated to CEE, and with me to discuss this is expert in the field Marek Yandus, who is Investments and Asset Manager for CEE with GLP Europe. Hello, Marek. Hi, Paul. Uh, perhaps we can start by finding out a bit about you and your work. Uh, great. I started my real estate career as a junior, junior analyst at a company called Pinnacle, which was ultimately a joint venture between a local developer, Pinnacle, and Merrill Lynch. That was back in 2006. It was a very opportunistic uh, yet successful venture. We developed a number of uh, logistics projects across Central and Eastern Europe, and the portfolio got sold in 2008, right at the at the top of the market, just before the global financial crisis. The global financial crisis then led me to another opportunity, which was financing of a portfolio held by an Austrian developer. After that. I took an opportunity to help out a company specialized in non-performing loans right before returning to real estate again by joining uh, LaSalle Investment Management. The experience at LaSalle was a great one. It was a very, very cultivated uh, environment with a great corporate culture. I took part in deploying half a billion euros in logistics, office, and retail assets in Central and Eastern Europe and learn about the institutional way of of managing assets. And your team was based in Prague then, wasn't it, at LaSalle? The team was based in Prague. There was only four of us. We visited the, the, the headquarters in Munich, Germany, once per two months, but we spent the majority of the time here in Prague and traveling across the region. Okay. And uh, what about the, you then moved to a Denver-based private equity firm. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Yes, that's correct. I remember that my boss from, from LaSalle joined the company first and after approximately a year he he invited me to to join him and basically continue deploying capital in ce along his side okay and all of this was in the logistics area and you moved to cushman and wakefield after my experience in the denver-based family office i was approached by cushman and wakefield to join them and manage or, or help out with glps entering Central Europe, which sounded like a very, very exciting opportunity. So uh, without hesitating too much, I, I took it. And that was, so that was your first connection to uh, GLP was while working at Cushman and Wakefield. Uh, when did you actually make the move to GLP? So let me come back to the Cushman and Wakefield opportunity a little bit, because at the time I joined, GLP was not really present in CE yet although it was in the process of forming a joint venture with a Polish-based developer with whom GLP uh, developed four logistics projects and total 200,000 square meters. My job was to manage the JV from from Cushman Wakefield. Coincidentally, GLP then acquired Goodman's Central European business so after that transaction was completed, and it took about a year, I was then invited to join GLP as an employee. 
Okay, and so you'd already been working partly on this JV developing stuff, and then uh, as, through an acquisition, there were then an, an existing set of assets that came under your management and control. Before we come to what GLP is working on, though, across CEE, um, let's set the scene by looking at CEE logistics markets overall. What countries are we talking about here? So the abbreviation CEE is Central and Eastern Europe, where Central Europe comprises of the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, and Poland. And then Eastern Europe is going further to the east, such to countries such as Lithuania, Romania, and other Eastern countries. GLP is, however, only focused on the core Central European countries. Well, take us through those four countries and, and describe what's happening in logistics in, in, in the different areas. Are there big regional differences with the countries? There are big regional differences, and I'll be happy to talk about them in detail. There are also, of, of course, numerous uh, similarities. There's been tremendous growth over the last 20 years, where all these four CE countries consistently exceeded growth in Western Europe. And this this has something to do with catching up after the 50 years of, of history, you know, and the communism that, that we had, and the opportunities that opened up after in, in early 1990s. In terms of differences, these are driven by the different economies. So, for example, whilst Poland is a very self-reliant country with, with approximately 50% of its GDP dependent on the rest of Europe, the Czech Republic is much more dependent on, on Germany, for example. In that respect, if you ask me, Poland is a bit of a European superpower. It has a tremendous it is a big population of roughly 40 million people. It has a number of large population centers of big cities with population over 1 million people. It has excellent infrastructure connections and it has a highly educated labor force. So all those elements combined just represent an ex- excellent real estate market, an excellent opportunity for a company like us. The same applies to the Czech Republic. However, it's a smaller country. There is uh, the availability of land is lower. And as I said, it's it's less self-reliant. And this all showed in 2008, when Poland was the only country in Europe with positive uh, GDP growth. Okay. So, uh, like you say, it's a big, stable country. Uh, what sort of customers are you seeing uh, there and the, the, the customer demand across those four countries? Sure. And this is also, again, how, you know, where these countries have similarities and differences. So, when it comes to the similarities, for example, we see third-party logistics providers or 3PLs, if you like, in all four countries. We see big retailers, without naming anyone, any, any in all four countries. But I would one thing that's different, I would say Poland attracts e-commerce a bit more. It has a better availability of land. It has a better availability of large-scale projects. So, for example, if you go to our project in Wroclaw, Magnitsa, it's a big scale project with big units of 50 to 80,000 square meters uh, square meters each all occupied by by single customers conversely in the Czech republic we also see e- e-commerce of course but the Czech market is a bit specific because 40% of its clientele is industrial slash automotive if you like as the, the Czech republic is industrial by its tradition 
Okay, and obviously then there's a big e-commerce presence in Czech Republic around Prague. Uh, you mentioned one Polish uh, logistics area that you're concentrating in. What are those four main centres, and what are the? Tell us about the Polish market generally, and and where those. You mentioned four cities with over one million population. What's the GLP presence in Poland around these different logistics markets? And perhaps you could just explain a little bit about what the difference is in the markets in Poland. With pleasure. I would say traditionally there have been five logistics hotspots in Poland. And these would be Warsaw, the capital of Poland, Łódź, positioned in, in the center of Poland. And it's, a, it's, it's an important intersection of two major Polish uh, motorways. Poznan, which benefits from close proximity to the to the boundary with uh, Germany, Wroclaw, which benefits from cl- close proximity to the boundary with Germany and with the Czech Republic, and Upper Silesia, which is very industrial and very densely populated. And in Gdansk, the, the big shipping port as well. That's that's important. Yes, that's right. So I think I've listed out what have been historically the five Polish hotspots. But in the in the recent years, Gdańsk has grown in importance. And this is connected with the fact that the city of Gdańsk has invested heavily in its infrastructure, specifically in the Gdańsk port, which connects Poland not only with the European Nordics, but, but also with China. And the Gdańsk port imports uh, increasingly growing amount of, of goods to Europe, which, of course, Gdańsk, but also the entire Polish logistics market uh, benefits from. And in addition to Gdańsk, other markets have evolved. For example, Bydgoszcz, positioned slightly in between Warsaw and Gdańsk, the eastern part of the country, for example, the city of Rzeszow or, or, or Lublin. And these are very interesting markets. They are small. I think Rzeszow offers approximately half a million square meters in total only, but there's zero vacancy and it's a highly, highly appealing uh, market. The same applies to Lublin. And finally, uh, Western Poland, for example, Szczecin or Legnica, uh, uh, highly appealing markets uh, benefiting from very close proximity to Germany. So uh, that's that's Poland. You mentioned that Czech Republic is heavily dependent on trade with Germany. What about Hungary and Slovakia? Tell us a little bit about those. Yes, and uh, these these markets compare in to to the Czech Republic and Poland in a in a very interesting way. So as I think I will state the obvious when I say that uh, log- logistics assets are positioned in close proximity to population centers and along quality road connections or along motorways. In Hungary, that population center is Budapest, really, and that's where approximately 50% of the logistics assets are are positioned. The other, the remaining 50% is in the regions and mostly focused on assembly and industrial occupiers. The, the 3PL retail e-commerce uh, commerce occupiers, they are mostly positioned around Budapest. Slovakia is very, very similar in that respect. Half the market is in Bratislava and the rest is positioned in, in the regions. From that perspective, Western Slovakia is particularly interesting to us because from there, customers can service Czech Republic, Slovakia, Austria, and uh, and Hungary. So I know that our 
Czech and Slovak teams and, and their land scouts are pretty busy in the western part of uh, Slovakia. Okay, so there's a lot of potential and opportunity there. Uh, how does GLP differentiate itself from the competition? What, what, what is the GLP source that is added? Yes, yeah, so I think uh, that's an interesting question. I think there are two, conceptually, there are two types of logistics developers, if you like. One would be the institution developers who would develop to hold their assets in their in, in their funds, and they are long-term owners. They are typically, or we, GLP, are definitely participant in the entire entire cycle. We send the land, we build the building, we lease the building, and we hold it. If we do anything incorrectly during the development process, which doesn't happen, of, of course, but if it did, we would have to <laughs> we would have to deal with it during the during the hold, holding period. And then when a fund comes to its maturity and you know, this could be 10 or 20 years from when a building is developed, then such building is sold. I would say our competitors, the, the institutional competitors, they do a similar thing. Where I think we have an edge is technology. However, in addition to logistics real estate, GLP has complementary businesses, robotics, there's the solar business, and they're both very complementary to warehousing, all in the context of ESG, which is Yet another topic. ESG there is environmental, social and governance. Uh, a very Correct. important thing for investors. And you're right that GLP has this uh, all, you know, from start to finish through investment, development and then managing the assets. Can you tell us the difference between GLP and the competition in the market, uh, uh, particularly focusing on developers? Sure. So I think there are two types of developers. There are developers within institutional investment houses like like us and uh, i would say our, our incentives are a bit different to the other category which would be trader developers or fee developers if you like so if you come to the institutional investors these are typically long, long-term holders with development capabilities so we find an exciting piece of piece of land we we have to do land assembly we have to do permitting we are involved in construction develop a building through a general contractor Find a, find suitable customers, and then we add that asset to our to our fund, and we are a whole term, long term holders. If there was anything that that goes wrong during the development process, we wouldn't have to deal with it during that holding period. Usually, nothing goes wrong though. The property then goes through and through multiple leasing cycles, and eventually, when a fund matures, the property gets sold. The other competitor then would be a trader a, a trader developer who finds a piece of land develops a building, leases it out, and sells it. Let me try and see, try and describe where I think we have an edge over both. When it comes to our institutional competitors, I think we have an edge uh, when it comes to, uh, or sorry, we have an edge defined by technology. In addition to our warehousing business, GLP is also in in solar business, and it is also in the robotics business, both very complementary to, to logistics. These are very important new uh, features of of warehousing is the level of technological sophistication that there is in some uh, warehousing projects. And GLP's robotics arm is part of that. And then also solar power, because the the high cost of energy is increasingly important to your customers, I imagine. Yes, absolutely. Especially nowadays when the cost of energy is, is so high. 
Coming back to our age of the competitors, though, let me now touch on trader developers. They have a very different, very different business model. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different business model. So whereas we are long-term holders who buy an asset, generate returns to our investors and, and to the fund during the holding period, and eventually exit, hopefully with, with asset value higher than the, the, the development cost, the trader developers develop, lease, and sell. So I think they may be a bit less worried about sustainability and ESG, but not sure, not in that business, but I can definitely see some differences between our assets and their positioning and between assets developed by trader developers. Yes, they're in it for the short term because they they want a quick sale. Exactly. And if I was a trader developer and I worked for Pinnacle, which was a trader developer, we were in the same business and, and it's an exciting business also. It's just the uh, it's just the, the differences in business models and impact on the sustainability of the asset that I'm trying to describe. Okay. Now, what about then the the difference that GLP has for investments for the investor community? How does how does it differentiate itself there? So yes, I think I would uh, I would say that our investors again our investors are in the business for the long run, right? So our business appeals to investors who are after stable returns who are less opportunistic and who benefit from from the long-term hold and the gradual increase of asset value over the years whereas if you are an opportunistic investor who invests with a trader developer then you're not say yield and value driven you're really basically irr driven and you're trying to turn your money around as soon as soon as possible what's irr the interest rate of return. So okay. very simplistically speaking, it's, it basically tells you how quickly how quickly you get your profit. The, the, the quicker quicker you get it and the higher the profit, the, the higher the IRR. Okay, thank you. So what about the GLP's growth strategy in the different countries? What's your approach? Sure. Let me start with saying that, that there definitely is a, a growth opportunity in each country. But each country has different challenges and requires slightly different strategy. So for example, let's start with the Czech Republic. There is there's zero vacancy in the Czech Republic. There is very high demand for logistic space. It's, it's very difficult to find land and permitting processes are very long, very challenging environment to grow. If, uh, how can you actually grow in a country? You can grow by development. So we are definitely doing that. And once in a while, we're lucky, so to speak, and find a very appealing land site. And our Czech and Slovak team are excellent, excellent in doing that. And I can give a few examples later. So that's one strategy. But you can only you you have to do it at a lower scale when it comes to Poland, for example, because of the size of the country and because of land availability. The other strategy would be acquisitions, but and this is an area where I am particularly responsible, if you like, as an investment and asset management director, but I'm facing some severe challenges. There are no assets for sale on the Czech market, unfortunately. Although once in a while, a big player decides to liquidate its portfolio, and then there is a massive half a billion, billion euro opportunity available. And, and once that comes again in the future, we'll be there for sure, shopping. Okay, so you're ready for those for those opportunities if they come up. So that's the Czech Republic. What about Hungary and 
uh, Slovakia? What are the what are the growth strategies there? In Slovakia and Hungary, there are definitely growth opportunities, but we have to be a bit more. We have to be very very careful there. There is better land availability in in Slovakia and Hungary, and you can definitely grow through developments. It's just a slightly, I would say, trickier market. And you have to definitely you have to be definitely much more knowledgeable to navigate it. So whilst in the Czech Republic, you obviously have to know what you're doing with with the market with zero vacancy, assets get leased. In Hungary and uh, Slovakia, asset positioning is is the key. So we have to be very selective when it comes to land acquisitions, and we have to focus on I would say on the on the core core markets. So, okay, so that's the opportunities in Hungary and Slovakia. Let's go back to Poland, where, where the bulk of your assets are. What are the, sure. What's the strategy there? Poland is a huge, uh, exciting, exciting market with land availability better in comparison to the Czech Republic, Slovakia and, and Hungary. And this is obviously given by the size of the market and also by the growth of the of the individual regions, I think our strategy in Poland is, uh, I think, is there are multiple. We grow through development, and we continue searching for appealing uh, land sites, like we do in the Czech Republic. But we also we can also do a lot a lot more acquisitions in comparison to the Czech Republic because of the product availability on the market, and this is because of better land availability, high presence of trader developers who develop who develop to sell so we're, we're lucky to have the opportunity to pick the best projects and, and acquire them um, so it's so yeah it's easier it's easier in Poland from the perspective and finally we can also do so joint venture or forward funding structures like we have done and increase our assets under management that way and logistics in Poland has been growing very rapidly over the last three or four years, and there's increasing demand. Uh, but what's the what's the pipeline that you're developing in Poland? What are the projects that you're concentrating on? Sure, it's a it's a broad question actually, because we have a large land team which is very very busy uh, looking for land and development opportunities across Poland. So without trying attempting to cover their entire basically scope, let me pick on a few trends which I consider very, very appealing. And there's there's a number of them. So one of them would be, for example, that by observation I see that we continue expanding our our existing, our proven existing projects. So one would be the Wroclaw project, which I already mentioned, for example. So that project when fully developed will provide uh, 260,000 square meters of high quality warehouse space. But I know that we are currently working on on acquiring additional pieces of land, which will enable us to grow that particular project to nearly 400,000 square meters. Similarly, we continue growing our project in Gdansk. And that project is really becoming uh, GLP's flagship project not only in the context of poland and central europe but in europe period the project currently comprising five buildings and offering roughly 200,000 square meters will offer up to 550,000 square meters when fully developed 
the Gdansk market is is growing. There's strong take up, and it's a very very popular market. I will not exaggerate that customers queue up to take space in our project in Gdansk. Okay, and so these are these are part of this GLP logistics parks um, enterprise that that you create whole parks with different buildings. Uh, on them, and you're continuing the developments there in Gdansk and Rox- in Wroclaw. Rox- 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 that's, okay. that's correct. And I would also like to add that, so of course, so number one, we continue expanding our our existing parks, and that's typically a great story for our investors and also for our customers. Our customers very often want to grow within parks. Our investors are happy to expand our existing parks because it's typically a proven proven location. So. Everyone is happy, so to speak. In addition to that, we obviously look for for new locations. In in Central Europe, but in Poland in particular, new locations continue to emerge as the road infrastructure continues to improve. So basically every time a new motorway is developed and connected to the to the network, then new sites emerge and come to the market and, and developers have a develop a desire to be in, in, in such new locations. Our land team is now also very focused on, on Western Poland, where we currently do not have presence. And this would be the part of Poland which is close to the to the German border, which already applies on Poznan and Wroclaw, where we have actually very strong presence. But we would like to go even closer to Germany and position ourselves in markets such as Chechen and Legnica. And I believe we'll have a couple of interesting surprises for our customers there in the in the near future. Okay, well tell us about then the GLP uh, high standards of building in Poland. GLP is a real pioneer on the market in that respect because I believe we were the first player on the market who started developing buildings with uh, 12 meter height which our customers now got used to and uh, and it definitely presented an advantage when it comes to when it comes to leasing and demand for our projects. Secondly, all our buildings are solar ready, so to speak. So we can install solar panels on our roofs, and our buildings also benefit from from smart metering. So our customers are able to track their energy consumptions and take any precautions, especially now in in such volatile times. Yeah. So that concentration on not only the sustainable architecture during construction, but then the operational efficiency of a building during occupation has been very important, uh, you know, both to investors and customers. Tell us then about your top projects. You've touched on Gdansk and uh, Rockslav. Uh, mm-hmm. What are what are some of the other ones that you're very proud of? I have at the risk of boring the audience, Paul. I have to come to the Wroclaw project because it's such a fascinating project. It's positioned in the uh, in close proximity to Wroclaw, in close and in close proximity to the Czech market. And if you then drive from the Czech Republic to Poland and you come to to Wroclaw, basically that that our logistics project is kind of the first uh, thing you you come across or you drive past, and it's a it's a big. <laughs> impressive impressive project and very interesting to uh, and very interesting to see similarly the Gdansk project is just buzzing with business if you if you come close to it you will see a high number of trucks going in and out you will see some ships in the close in, in close proximity also and you you can just feel the, the the business vibe it's just an exciting place to visit 
We have other exciting projects though. Uh, our Czech team recently uh, recently completed the, the first phase of development in Bernal, which is the second largest uh, city of the Czech Republic, with the second phase to be completed to be completed next year. It was an accomplishment from the Czech project to penetrate the, the Bernal market, which is very, very competitive, but we managed to secure a highly appealing site and it's nearly fully pre-leased already, despite the fact that it's still about a year from, from completion. And you had a big success with the project in Krasztanyi as well. Yes, that's correct. Krasztanyi project is an exciting one. It's positioned, it's positioned on the on the Prague city ring road, um, and anchored by a customer called Alza. Alza is one of the largest. Uh, is is the I think is the largest electronics retailer in the Czech Republic, if not in the CE. And uh, we are excited about the fact that uh, that they occupy our project. Not only that, but uh, they newly also occupy our pro- one of our projects in in Budapest, and and we have become one of their proud growth partners who are who, who are part of their growth story. Yeah, and it was part retail and part um, part warehousing, wasn't it? With a, a and there's a little mini golf course I understand next to the project. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Although I'm a passionate golfer, I am embarrassed to say that I have not tested at many golf courses. But I agree with you that there is a showroom within the warehouse where customers can view their view, view the goods they like to purchase. They can also pick it up. And overall, the project is highly accessible to the public. It doesn't. It's not fenced fenced out. If there are any gates, they're automatic. So when a car approaches, a gate opens up automatically. And uh, I think we pride ourselves. And the fact that our projects in Prague are becoming kind of part of the part of the city or part of the community. They are not isolated, so to speak. Well, there's no doubt that 2022 has been a difficult year around the globe. Uh, we've had the rise in energy costs, the rise in the cost of materials, shortages in, in supply. There's China's zero COVID policy. There's the war in Ukraine. All of these have been impacting uh, everywhere. But how has it been impacting in the CEE logistics market? And how have you been responding? What's been going Yes, on? I agree, Paul. That, that has been a large number of challenges over the course of, in, of, of this year. These challenges pushed us. They helped us to evolve. And I think we managed to turn many of them into, into an opportunity and we adopted. So in no particular order, I think obviously the, the cost of energies has increased significantly. In this respect, we, you know, our team brainstormed intensely with, res- with respect to renewables and with respect to ESG elements. And we have we have speeded up our efforts when it comes to rolling out our solar business. For example, it has an important impact in, in that direction. And that will in, impact our business, I think, significantly and very positively, the, the rollout. Secondly, there has, been a, there has been an increased cost of construction. And this has put rents under upwards pressure also. When we talk about rents under pressure, I think... Increasing costs in combination with continuous and increasing demands have ultimately resulted in, in tremendous, tremendous rental growth. So when it comes to the level of rents, they have been very stable 
they had been very stable in CE for the last 10 years or so, up until the beginning of this year. And then they picked up significantly. And some regions have seen growth of 20% or more. And this has obviously had a very positive impact on, on our valuations, which in some cases grew or in some cases at least offset the softening yields, which is a result of, of market volatility. And those valuations, that, that rise in the valuations or the, the support for the valuations, that's presumably been fueled by increased demand. And what, what sort of new demand have you been seeing across the CEE and in particular in Poland? Yes, yeah, so I think yeah, this this valuation increase, or 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 I would even say the preservation of valuation, because we have also experienced softening of, of yields as an, as a result of market volatility. So softer yields normally result in valuation decrease, but in Central Europe, this has been offset by rental growth. We've been through COVID and now the war in Ukraine. Have you seen a different kind of logistics demand? Uh, across that last three-year period? And how do you see that developing in the future? Yes, definitely. I would say COVID has resulted in significant significant increase in demand from e-commerce, e-commerce customers. Alza, which we already mentioned, is one example. In Wroclaw, we released a significant amount of space to customers such as Sheen or Siva, and e-commerce has definitely become one of the one of the drivers of our of our growth story and what other what other demands in response to the war in ukraine have you been seeing yeah so th- there are a couple of points the war definitely has an impact on our business and ironically it has been it's been a positive impact so number one i think we've seen a number quite a number of companies relocating from ukraine to to eastern poland this is very notable in markets along the Polish-Ukrainian border, such as Veshov or Lublin, which have practically zero vacancy. And other markets in Poland, as you go west, uh, have been impacted also. Secondly, we have been seeing demand for uh, space driven by humanitarian aid, and we have seen demand for space driven by pharmaceutical companies for, the, for obvious reasons. Okay. What about then the prospects? Uh, We all hope that the war in Ukraine will not last forever. Uh, What about the prospects for 2023? Uh, What do you see happening? We believe that rents will will continue to increase. There is a number of drivers. I would say one of them being being the fact that non-specialist investors have pulled out from the, the market a little bit. There's less liquidity in the market. And this is obviously a window of opportunities for companies like ourselves, which can continue search for the best land in the best locations and, and continue developing. Secondly, we now also see a large number of deals coming to the market, particularly when it comes to existing assets and forward funding opportunities with, with traders developers. So we'll be filtering through these deals monitoring these opportunities and and picking up the best. And finally, I believe that we will significantly progress with our solar business and with our robotics business in CE in 2023 and really boost GLP's growth in the region that way. So we're looking for some big announcements from you in 2023. I definitely believe so. Well, thank you very much, Marek Yandus, for sharing your expertise with us today. My pleasure, Paul. 
Uh, that's it for this episode. Do check out the other podcasts in the G Talk series. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of G Talk Ask the Expert. You can find other episodes in this series in all the usual podcast places. Be sure to subscribe. You can also find out more on GLP Europe's website, eu.glp.com.